Hey everybody, what you are about to listen to is an episode of Am I Dying? Here at Offscript, we've taken the Am I Dying show, put a twist on it, and created the new Is It Serious podcast with Dr. Mark Lewis and Dr. Jean-Luc Neptune. Think of it this way. The Am I Dying docs discuss lots of symptoms, while the Is It Serious docs answer lots of questions. And all of the episodes are here on this feed for your listening pleasure. For new episodes, don't forget to subscribe, and thanks for listening. I don't know what the- Is that in your office, Mark? Yeah, it must be one of the others. Can you close your door? Yeah. Mark is going to log in and do this with us from a construction site. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Chris Kelly. And I'm Dr. Mark Eisenberg. And this is Am I Dying? A conversational podcast about your symptoms and what to do next. Hey everyone, welcome. Today we are talking about a topic that affects all of us. In fact, it's affecting me right now and it is back pain. And we are very lucky today to be joined by Dr. Clark Smith, who is the Director of Interventional Spine and an Associate Professor of Rehabilitation and Regenerative Medicine at Columbia University and an expert in all things on the back. Dr. Smith, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. You're an Associate Professor? You're too young. How did you get there so quickly? <laughs> Mark is jealous. I, yeah, I don't know. It's, there's certain ways to crank out publications, I guess. I don't know. Easier, easier review committees. I don't know. Really? I just gave a check to the department. They just all of a sudden promoted me. Well, there's the different doors. Yes. <laughs> Congratulations, Mark. You got a pay decrease, but your title improved. That's true. It's all about the title. So Dr. Clark, um, back pain is something that affects everybody uh, from time to time. Uh, obviously, it can be debilitating and life-altering in some cases. And I'm hoping that after this conversation today, I will either never have it again or I will know how to instantly get rid of it. So I hope those expectations are realistic. Yes, yes. Setting realistic expectations is, is part of the game. So um, we're going to talk about some of the ways in which we self-sabotage and cause ourselves to have back pain unnecessarily. Uh, but maybe uh, just to start out, could you give us a sense of the, the scope of the problem? Like what, how often are people experiencing back pain that really interferes with their life in a meaningful way? Well, it's super common. It's one of the top reasons that somebody sees a physician for anything. It's uh, one of the top causes of disability in this country. So it's a huge problem. Uh, most people, I'm sure all of your audience either has had a big back problem or has someone, you know, a one degree relative who has. Um, so it's a big issue. Um, and, you know, what's frustrating about it is uh, back pain encompasses a whole variety of disorders of the back. And not every one of these things has a easy fix um, that unfortunately, Chris, it, you know, your, your back pain might not have a quick uh, snap your fingers remedy in some cases. Well, that's the whole point. Back, all back pain is not alike, right? So there's different types of back pain. There's people talk about sciatica, slip discs, stenosis. Do you want to work us through some of the different types and how they're different? Sure. Um, so I think maybe it's useful to talk about some of the terms that are used and thrown around. Um, and what's so confusing about all these terms, I'm going to say, is they mean something, but they don't mean everything. So if you go to a doctor and you get an MRI and they say you have stenosis, slip disc, something like that, um, it really they really have to correlate that with the with you, your symptoms, and how you're doing. Because sometimes people are going to have a stenosis or a slip disc, and it might not even be the problem; it might just be something that's there. So, kind of going into these terms, 
Um, so Sadika, Mark, is one that you talked about. Um, so Sadika is basically a description of the phenomenon of pain kind of shooting down the leg in the distribution of a sciatic nerve, which is a really thick nerve that goes down the back of your leg. Usually that's that nerve is fine when you have sciatica, and the problem is actually being caused by a nerve being pinched or irritated in your back. So when a nerve is pinched in the back, there's a couple things that can cause that. Um, the two most common things are herniated disc or stenosis. So in between the bones, you have discs, which are these kind of jelly donut shaped uh, structures, and they can uh, degenerate, causing more rubbing of the bones, causing pain. They can- They're kind of like shock absorbers there between your, your vertebrae, right? Sitting there- Like the shock absorbers. Yeah. And so when they go out, you lose the shock absorber part of things, and that goop that's in them can go somewhere and irritate or even compress sometimes a nerve causing back pain or pain down the leg. That same nerve could also be compressed by um, arthritis or bony changes, and that's usually what's most commonly referred to as stenosis, which is just a fancy doctor word of saying narrowing. Gotcha. So it sounds like sciatica caused by a disc is the same thing as slip disc, right? Yeah, so you know, among uh, disc problems, there's a ton of terms, slip disc, herniated disc, bulging disc, disc protrusion. And while there's some nuances to what those things actually mean, um, some are colloquial terms, some describe the actual shape of the disc. They all sort of describe the same thing, which is that the, the shock absorber is no longer where it's supposed to be. And in fact, is in the uh, spinal canal making contact or getting near a, a nerve causing potentially a problem. You know, knowing that what I said earlier, that not all these things are actually going to even cause a problem um, because it's kind of a normal process that our discs kind of wear out over time. You know, we talk about discs breaking down, slipping out, you know, pressing on the nerves, and, and that's one leading cause of back pain. What actually is causing that to happen? You know, if somebody is not very active, they're not bouncing up and down, you know, you know, stressing those discs out, what is causing those to degenerate over time? So a lot of different things, things cause this. These discs are these kind of jelly-like structures that actually don't have a very great blood supply. They actually get nutrients from the adjacent bones. So what that means is that once they break down, they don't heal as well as some other structures in the body. People cut their face and that gets healed in like two days. These discs, once they start having cracks and stuff in them, they don't typically heal. And so a natural thing for the body is for these discs to wear out a little bit. There's things that we can do to make that happen quicker. Things like sitting or any sort of activity where you're bending forward and you're putting a lot of pressure on that disc. Things like smoking can be bad because it uh, decreases the blood supply generally and can decrease the blood supply to the disc. And then sometimes um, trauma can cause an acute disc herniation. But I have to say the vast, vast majority of my patients, it's something that just kind of happens and it's, you know, it's, it's an unfortunate thing. Um, but I can't necessarily trace it in most cases to a particular event um, or activity that they had done. Gotcha. So we talked about slip disc, sciatica, stenosis, but there's also something called sacroiliac problems, right? Because how is that different? And then I guess the question I'm going to ask is, I guess we should start off with someone comes to your office with back pain. What's your workup? What do you ask them? Okay. So two, two part question. So first, sacroiliac pain. So Basically, you get your whole upper body and your whole spine, and that plugs into your pelvis. 
And so that joint where your whole upper body plugs into your pelvis is your sacroiliac joint. And that's a joint that for a lot of reasons can cause pain. Um, oftentimes uh, because of joint degeneration, arthritis in the lower back, that can cause pain. If people have had prior surgery, that joint's going to take more torque. It's also a joint that's kind of held together by ligaments that um, can become elastic during pregnancy. So pregnant women suffer a lot from SI joint pain. But so, so I mean, that's that. I think in terms of a workup, um, I think the thing that you got to do first is just talk to somebody about their pain and figure out what makes it worse, what makes it better, and if they have any red flags. Red flags. Now I'm intrigued. What are the red flags? <laughs> red flags are things like profound weakness, profound numbness, um, sudden inability to, to control your bowel and bladder, difficulty walking. Suddenly you're having back pain and you've also unintentionally lost 20 pounds. Back pain associated with um, you know, weird skin changes. Um, these are things that I would want to know about um, so that we could sort of more urgently work this up. You know, as we were talking about earlier, back not all back problems are super serious. And, you know, we need to know when we need to be aggressive and when we can be uh, patient. What is the back pain with weird skin stuff? I've never heard of that. Well, I mean, so people can have um, like zoster infections along there, which is basically... Shingles. Yeah, like shingles. And then so you can have a skin breakout with kind of shooting pain and that goes along the nerve root. And so you can almost have kind of sciatica of the trunk in a lot of cases with that. And that's just something that will do a lot better and get better quicker if it's treated more quickly. With like the antivirals, right? Yes. Um, I mean, I, I guess I feel like, you know, if, if you're not having any of those red flag symptoms and it's unlikely that your back pain is a source of imminent harm to you, I mean, do, do you recommend that people will typically just try to wait it out, treat it with medications, with massage or something else first? Or at what point do they actually need to come see you and get an evaluation? Look, I mean, I think back pain that doesn't interfere with your activities, that's gone on for days to weeks, that's not associated with any sort of pain shooting down your leg or numbness, weakness, is probably something that you can treat on your own. For some people, it's just live with it, do some stretching. Um, sometimes over-the-counter medication can help. You know, there's some risk with taking the anti-inflammatory medications, but in small doses for short periods of time, for most people, they're probably okay. You're talking about Advil or Aleve, right? I'm talking about Advil or Aleve. Um, some for most people, Tylenol is a safer op option. Sometimes that also works. But you know, aside from the medications, just doing stuff like stretching, ice, heat, being a little patient, trying to avoid how much you sit, um, may just turn around a lot of these cases. When do you put ice on and when do you put heat on? Here's the true answer that I tell everybody is that it matters when you just have an injury. So if there's active inflammation or you've just torn something or something like that, I would want someone to use ice. But beyond that, it's really try both and see where, what works better for you. Or sometimes heat helps loosen up tight muscles a little bit better, but a lot of this is anecdotal. So I suggest people try both. I think it's when the pain is beyond you know, a few weeks and you've tried all that stuff and it's not turning around, or at any point if you start having the numbness, the weakness, or any of, any of those um, you know, more concerning symptoms, it's a good idea to get checked out by a doctor. You know, even if you have mild weakness or numbness, oftentimes that's something that we can monitor and oftentimes that's something that you um, can get better without surgery, but it's definitely something that um, you should have checked out to make sure you know, that no urgent treatment is needed. Mm -hmm. 
So you wake up, you're all bent over, like you find and you went to sleep, you all of a sudden wake up in the morning, you walk across your room and you're all bent over with severe pain on your right side. Besides trying Advil, should they try ice then? Should they make an appointment right away to see a doctor? Good question. I, it depends on how severe the pain is, how much they need to get done. I mean, a lot of times when people wake, wake up and they're bent over, it's a bad muscle spasm, which can be one of the worst pains that we experience with our backs, but is not serious. So, I mean, I would recommend somebody who wakes up like that to, you know, maybe try some over-the-counter pain relievers, try ice or heat and see what works better for that. Try not to um, do bed rest. So lots of times we think, you know, I woke up and my back hurts. So I'll just stay in bed all day. But actually that can make it worse because it can perpetuate muscle spasms or contribute to uh, spine atrophy, you know, and, and delay recovery. So what if you just want to stay in bed all day? <laughs> That's a different podcast. But isn't, isn't the muscle spasm caused by a disc or a, a joint being inflamed? Sometimes, but not necessarily. I mean, you could be a, you know, 19 year old perfect athlete and just, you know, reach the wrong way and, and tear muscle fibers and then have the other muscle fibers spasm. And that really, really hurt. Or you could have something like we were talking about earlier, like a herniated disc that's irritating uh, the nerve roots, and that's causing the the spasming of the paraspinal muscles or the muscles that kind of go up and down your back, and that could be leading to it. But I mean, I think you know, common things are common, and probably for those people that like wake up and they have like you know really bad pain that's not shooting down their legs and just making them feel bent over and crooked. A lot of times, that's muscle spasm that's just going to get better. Um, after you know days to sometimes weeks, usually back stuff has a good prognosis as, as much as we all kind of suffer from it. Um, one other thing, what about all those uh, patches people wear, these topical stuff? How effective are those compared to Advil? I mean, there's the lidocaine patches. Lidocaine patches um, probably work best for things like we were talking about, like uh, zoster infections or, or things where you have a lot of sensitivity of a small area of the skin. Um, the problem with some of those lidocaine patches is that they probably don't penetrate too deeply. But again, like the Icy Hot and all that stuff, it's they're super safe. So if people find relief from them, I'm all for using them. And now they have 4% uh, lidocaine patches over the counter. So, you know, it's one of these things. It's not going to hurt you. It may help. It's, you know, not, not a magic bullet, but it, it's something that's worth trying and unlike to hurt you. We should probably take a quick break. Uh, we've been talking for a while, um, but we're going to come back in just a minute and we will wrap up our discussion with Dr. Clark, who has been uh, advising us on everything that there is to know about back pain. Uh, so stick with us. We'll be right back. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, we're back. We are talking with Dr. Clark Smith, an expert in all things back related. And he's been talking about the different kinds of back pain, the different causes of back pain, when you should be worried about your back pain. You know, sometimes there can be a serious problem with your spine uh, that requires urgent attention uh, and, and what you can do to kind of troubleshoot the problem and, and treat yourself at home uh, if you're not in any urgent danger. So welcome back, everybody. Uh, in this next segment, we're going to be talking about the top 10 things 
that we do to sabotage our own backs unwittingly, God willing. Um, so Dr. Smith, why don't you take it away and tell us uh, what we're all doing wrong and, and how we can change our lifestyle to, to preserve our backs for longer because I feel like we might want them. Exactly. So I wanted to come up with something kind of fun to just talk about things that I see all the time in my practice that people do that are probably not helping their backs move in the right direction. So um, I'll kick it off from, from number 10 and we'll work our way up to number one. Um, number 10, everybody talks about this. It is lifting. This is why I never exercise. Yes. So <laughs> if your back is not used to lifting le heavy loads, don't lift a heavy load. You're going to have to build up slowly. You know, that means for exercising, but that also means stuff like snow shoveling, um, moving, opening windows, vacuuming does it a lot. So really, you know, be really careful about lifting. You know, everybody always talks about lift with your knees. I mean, that's a, that's a true thing. And, you know, lots of people in this country are miserable just because they lifted the wrong way. So lift with your knees. Does that mean bend your knees a little when you're lifting something? Yeah, that means when you're lifting something, get your hips and, and butt down close to the floor where the object you're lifting is and lift that way rather than bending at the waist. What if you fall backwards? Like you could try to lift and next thing you know, you tumble backwards. It's kind of embarrassing if there's kids around. Well, yeah, if there's kids around. I mean, if your balance is really bad, like maybe it's time to get help. You know, <laughs> but if you're just clumsy, you know, then. Or stop drinking. Sorry, Chris, that was meant for you. Um, yeah, as long as our relationship remains active, Mark, I don't think there's any chance of me stopping drinking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that's number 10. What's number nine? Number 10, number nine, over-reliance on back braces. So this is a tricky one that not everybody knows about. So, you know, lots of times people get some relief from using a back brace. The problem with back braces, kind of like all braces is that, um, they can weaken your core muscles. So if you're using a back brace in place of your core muscles, that's not going to help you over time get things better. Now, there are definitely exceptions to this. Um, sometimes people are placed in bracing because they've had trauma or surgery. Sometimes people are placed in bracing because they have a deformity like scoliosis. But, you know, what I tell people is that is lower profile braces, meaning like cheap kind of just more elastic neoprene things than things that are super fancy and really temporary use only for when you're um, doing those activities that tend to bother your back the most. All right, number eight, nine, let's keep going, number eight. Okay, number eight, um, over-relying on passive treatment. So passive things are things that people do to you. Active things are things you do. So active things are like strengthening. Passive things are like uh, massage, adjustments, that sort of thing. They may have a role in helping people feel better. They may have a role in working on muscle knots, but they're not going to do anything to make you stronger. Um, so really, you have to have a combination of active and passive therapy if you're going to get better. So you mean like going to a chiropractor and getting your back adjusted? Short-term relief, maybe, if they don't outright hurt you, but no long-term benefit because you're not fixing the underlying problem of strength and muscle tone and all that. Exactly. So you got to be either doing core strengthening, working with a physical therapist or doing something a little alternative like yoga, Pilates, that sort of thing. You know, it's interesting. Long ago, I stopped. I, I figured out that when my back hurt and I asked my wife to rub it, that she was intentionally doing a bad job so that I would never ask her again. So smart woman. So, so, I, uh, so I don't even have that option anymore. So no problems there. Okay. Number seven, nonchalance about serious sy symptoms. So, you know, definitely people, um, I've had patients who Ignore the fact that they can't move their toe, they can't walk, or they've just been in a serious trauma and they're not wanting to get, you know, their, and their back hurts and they're not wanting to get that checked out. 
Although most back things are benign, it's when you have one of these uh, red flag symptoms, it's really important that you get it checked out. And that leads us into number six, which is impatience with benign symptoms. So this is the opposite of number seven. So, you know, while people have to be serious when things are serious symptoms, being impatient with benign symptoms is also bad. So, you know, back strengthening takes a long time. So, you know, if I give you, Mark, like five exercises that I think are going to make your back feel a little bit better, it's not going to make it feel better in a week. I mean, this is going to be weeks and weeks like you're training for a, a sport or something like that. And, you know, if you're too aggressive with benign symptoms too, there can be consequences in terms of the treatment that you seek out. So, you know, sometimes people overdo it with Advil. Sometimes people get into taking opioids. Um, sometimes people get injections or surgeries that they don't need. So, you know, I, I think patience is going to be part of this. But, you know, a lot of one of the problem is anyone who's gone to physical therapists and stuff, they always get these stick figure, you know, exercises they're supposed to do. And then you get back to your house and you have no clue what to do. It's like they're not that easy to do. That's the other problem. Everyone says strengthening your back. What does that actually mean? Is it like one or two exercises or it differs depending on the person and the problem? Yeah, I, I mean, look, it differs on the person and the problem. And I think I, I think it's definitely better to do like simple exercises that you can definitely do than try to do some sort of gymnastic figure stuff that the physical therapist gave you. I mean, sometimes a good physical therapist will get you competent in doing all those things, which is one of the reasons to do physical therapy. So I'll take you down to number number five and number four. We're getting up to the top three. So number five is overdoing it and number four is underdoing it. So what do I mean by that? You so, cannot win. <laughs> I mean, you cannot you just have win. to do it perfectly. You just have to do it perfectly. Unfortunately, that's sort of how our uh, our bodies are made. Um, so overdoing it. I mean, people have to be careful as they enter a new exercise program. People have to be uh, not in denial about the natural decline of some of our physical abilities. So we might not be able to lift what we did in college necessarily. You know, doing lower impact exercises is a better way to enter into a um, exercise program. Number four, I said underdoing it. So this is probably more of a problem for most people. You know, it, your your back requires a certain degree of conditioning to do the things that we want it to be able to do. And that just means, you know, walk around, pick up stuff, pick up children, you know, exercise every once in a while. So underdoing it, sedentary lifestyle can lead to a weak core. If we look on MRIs, people's paraspinal muscles, the muscles along their spine become infiltrated with fat, even if they're not like overweight. Resilience to pain we know is improved with exercise. Um, and we know with some chronic pain syndromes like fibromyalgia, um, aerobic exercise is one of the few things that actually um, has good documented evidence for making a difference with that condition. All right, let's keep going. Okay, and the top three. Um, Drum roll, please. Yeah, number three, letting weight get out of control. So I give up. Yeah, I know. So you should give up those chocolate bars. What are you talking about? Never. <laughs> um, so look, COVID has not been kind to anybody from a weight standpoint, um, but weight does put more pressure on the discs. You got to think of the force of your weight is multiplied by gravity. So that's a lot. If you don't believe me, like put a 20 pound dumbbell in your backpack and walk around all day uh, and you'll be kind of miserable. So getting our weight under control is going to be part of the solution to getting our back problems under control. Uh, number two is sitting. So everybody sits, too much sitting compresses the discs in the spine, too much sitting 
makes your core weak. Too much sitting is going to hurt the hurt the spine. What can you do about it? You can take frequent breaks. You can learn about ergonomics from a physician or a physical therapist. You can maximize your ergonomic setup. You can think about getting a standing desk for, for at least part of the day. And then also be careful what you do in your free time. You know, the people who go to work all day and they sit and then they go home and watch TV all night and they sit. Number one way we mess up our backs is smoking. Because hmm. it's no good for your health otherwise. <laughs> I know, I know. The cardiologists were, would have uh, would have been given their hearts. But anyway, smoking, um, I touched on this earlier, uh, increases degeneration of the discs, which leads to all sorts of problems. And then the nicotine probably does weird things to your um, nerve fibers. And people who are smokers have higher reported pain levels. So I think it's just important that uh, because it's so challenging to treat back problems that when you have a back problem, you're hitting it from so many different levels so that you, you're not doing something inadvertently that's making you kind of go backwards. How about like a lot of older people? Because it goes back to the disuse, number three or number four, whatever it was. Um, so a lot of older people, you know, I tell them they really need to walk every day. It's the best thing for them. And then they, they walk one day and they say they have back pain after they walk. So then they can't walk for a few days. Is there a message you can give older people who all seem to have back pain also? Yeah, look, so I mean, everybody has their limits. Sometimes with, uh, if you're older and you have stenosis, walking is something that uh, becomes a challenge because as you walk, it puts uh, more pressure on those nerves. You can have worse back or leg pain. There's other things that can be done other than walking. You know, walking with breaks, um, trying things like exercise bike or, or uh, uh, exercise in the pool. Um, doing classes, doing things like Tai Chi. I mean, I think on some level... I can't see grandma and grandpa doing Tai Chi, to be honest. Maybe not your grandma and grandpa, but I see people <laughs> in the park every day, so... Sorry. I shouldn't <laughs> be so judgmental. Um, so it's tough, though. I mean, it's it's tough. If somebody has bad stenosis, you know, movement is going to hurt. And um, there's not perfect options, but I think thinking about pool, thinking about alternative steps could help. Well, this was really helpful. We really appreciate your time and expertise. I am increasingly resigned to the fact that perhaps my back is just doomed, but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose the weight. I'm going to do more Tai Chi, and I'm going to be uh, enjoying my beautiful back and well into my hundreds. Good. Like active therapies, watch how you lift, um, and I think you're going to do great. Gotcha. Well, everyone, we're here with Dr. Clark Smith. Uh, he's a top professor and doctor at Columbia University Medical Center. Uh, thanks for uh, joining us, Clark. Thank you, Mark and Chris. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. Am I Dying is a production of Offscript Media. Our executive producer is Matthew Zachary. Andrew McDowell is our senior producer. Karen Lee is our production manager. Darren Tun is our production intern. Am I Dying is recorded, mixed, and edited by Ariel Nachman. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscript.com. Hit us up at contact at offscript.com to share comments and feedback. For more information, visit offscript.com.